You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 28. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for joining me for another episode of How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany and I am your host. And before we get into this week's show, I just want to share a few pre-show announcements. The show notes for this week's episode will be available at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com slash 28. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at how does underscore she do it. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at T-I-F-F South. That's Tiff South with two Fs. And um, like I said, you can follow me on Tiff by at Tiff South on all three platforms and actually on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com slash Tiff South, you can access me there. I managed to get almost all the social media that I used except Pinterest. I did not get Pinterest. Someone else beat me to it. I'm trying not to be bitter about it, but I will move on. Um, if you are an Android listener, you can access the show on Google Play Music. So if you go to the Google Play Music store, you can search for How Does She Do It and the podcast will come up. Otherwise, you are probably listening to this on iTunes or directly on the website and I appreciate you for that. And um, if you have not done so already, please leave me a five-star rating and review in the iTunes store. As of this recording, the show is still currently featured on the homepage of the iTunes uh podcast store and it is listed in a category titled black voices in business with several other great podcasts that I encourage you to to subscribe to and to listen to shout out to paychecks and balances my homeboy rich and uh whim over there at paychecks and balances they're doing some some great things as well as um, Happy Black Woman is featured there, uh, Trailblazers podcast, Beyond the Brilliance, just so many other great shows. So please check them out if you haven't already, if you're looking for other podcasts to listen to. And as always, if you are interested in sharing a topic suggestion in having a question answered on the show, you can send an email to Tiffany at how does she do it podcast.com. And I will be happy to answer your question on the show or consider your topic. I already have some topics in the queue that were came as a result of your suggestion. So thank you for that and keep them coming. Just Tiffany at how does she do it podcast.com. And I will respond to your message and um, hopefully be able to feature your question or your topic on the show. This week, Just My Thoughts is dedicated to the Olympics, and I just want to start with, I'm actually not even going to give Ryan Lockheed any um, any play because he is whack. If you don't know what he did, I'll post an article in the show notes, but basically he lied about being robbed and then tried to say that his lie was an over-exaggeration of what the story was left Brazil, left his teammates down there to be questioned by police to come back here and could dye his hair a different color. And he's lost four sponsorships. He talks about he's still going to be swimming. Anyway, he is a unfortunate, it's an unfortunate story. 
he was not the Prince Charming of, you know, the sport to begin with. He had his hair was like dyed like silverish blue and all these kinds of things. So he was a little bit out there. Um, but his story is just an example, I think, of of what entitlement looks like at its very best. And then when all of a sudden you realize you're not actually as entitled or going to get as much special treatment as you thought you would, um, what happens when you um, take certain things for granted. So that being said... The Olympics were phenomenal, especially, I think, for not necessarily especially for women, but I think the U.S. women in particular, the women's uh, women athletes who competed did a really they had like they showed out. They kind of showed out. And I think black women particularly showed out during the Olympics this year. So they're. the United States sent like 500 athletes or something crazy to the Olympics this year. We brought back. 121 medals 61 of those medals were awarded to women 55 of them were awarded to men of the 46 gold medals that the united states won women won 27 of them which is which is amazing and the number of black women who made history in the olympics this year black girl magic was all over the place i can talk about simone biles who just flipped and balance beamed and like floor routine her way to just excellence and really there's a she has her own move named after her she's like 16 how does that how does that happen like there's a move that she's the only person who has done it and who can do it and it's named it's named the by it's named the biles like that's that's insane Gabby Douglas also won medals and people were, I talked about it last episode, people were being disrespectful to her and people need to get, get a life. Um, Delilah Muhammad was the first American woman to win gold in the hundred, in the 400 meter hurdles, excuse me. Um, fence, there was a fencer, Ibtija, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, Muhammad, she won bronze and she's the first Muslim American woman to compete for the U.S. in a hijab. And she was gorgeous and she was in, She I watched a, a um, video interview with her and it was just amazing to hear her story and how when she, as an athlete, fencing was the only sport that she was able to compete in that she did not have to modify her wardrobe in order to participate. She used to run track and she would have to, you know, people would be warming up in shorts and tank tops and she would be wearing sweatpants and long sleeves. And so she was able to find a sport that allowed her to be herself and to not have to make adjustments and um and just do what is what is normal for her and she shined she literally shined and 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 was able to bring home a, a medal for the olympics there was also um three black women came in first second and third place in the 100 meter meter hurdles brianna rollins uh nia ali and christy Castlin, like I'm saying these women's names on purpose because we are in a time where women are being gunned down by police. And I believe the total this year is already is at eight. Last year, that number was 10 by the end of the year. Um, we heard at the beginning of this month, a woman outside of uh, just outside of Baltimore was killed by police in her home and her son was shot. Corinne Gaines is her name. And I'm saying the names of these women athletes because their names are important as well. And in this time where there's so much negativity around the black women's image, we also have to 
remember to uplift and to uplift each other and to remember the achievements and to recognize the achievements of each other and to support each other. Even just so simply as when you're walking down the street and you see someone who looks beautiful, give her a compliment. And that when I, when that happens to me, it's like, it takes, it takes me by such surprise. And I do that same thing for other women and not just black women, but I do that same thing for other women because it's nice. It's something nice to do. And um, I want to make sure I um, also shout out Allison Felix, the women's uh, basketball team, the women's water polo team, who all had African-American women. Also, Lori Hernandez, who was on the women, women's gymnastics team. And these women, Mel- Melissa, excuse me, Michelle Carter was the first American woman to win gold for shot put. And her father was a won silver for shot put years before and she comes home comes and brings home the gold so that's dope simone manuel who became the first black american to win an individual medal in swimming and the first american women to win gold in the 100 meter freestyle since 1984 and she went up there and gave us such a moving interview after she won that race and like there are, and there are women's names who I did not mention, and I am. It's not for lack of importance, but it's for the sake of brevity for this episode. But what we have seen, we have seen these women become the modern FloJo, the modern Jackie Joyner Kersey, like the Lisa Leslies, the women that I remember these names that I heard and I saw compete as a little girl. The Dominique Dawes, like these are that's who these women are to these younger generation of of athletes and this younger generation of women who are looking to looking to these women for inspiration and it's it's really great to see and it is um it just fills me with so much pride and and it is a blessing to be able to witness it and I just hope that more stories more positivity more um balance gets to the way to the way that black women are portrayed in American society and at the same time we don't forget the struggle and the issue and the challenge that we face as black women in this country um, when it comes to our rights, when it comes to our personhood, when it comes to our freedoms, when it comes to our sexuality, our protection, our um, professionalism and our desires and goals for ourselves. Uh, we need to remember and, and see the balanced picture and black girl magic is, is mad real. before I conclude this week's Just My Thoughts, I just have to say this. Frank Ocean dropped an album. And as proof of how fast the internet moves, apparently he dropped a visual album like two days before he dropped the actual like MP3 album. And I didn't even know that the visual album happened. <laughs> like by the time I tried to go back and look for it, I was having these issues finding it and I felt silly for completely missing the first announcement because Frank Ocean is one of the few artists who I um like I really really like him and I have not listened to the entire album in one sitting just yet, but what I have heard from it thus far, it is good classic Frank Ocean and I appreciate that because it has been three four years since Channel Orange dropped he popped up on Beyonce's album in between then he's been up you know been on a few features here and there but 
Well, my fear was that he was going to come out and be and do pull a Kanye, right? Come out and do something that's so left field that, you know, if you're a super high thought, you know, artist and, oh, you know, this creativity, it's so excellent, blah, 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 whatever. I don't really like new Kanye. I like classic old Kanye. And so Frank Ocean stuck to what makes him so great. And I appreciate that. And... Apparently, Maxwell dropped his album in July, and in looking for Frank Ocean's album, I somehow found this out. How did I miss that too? I be like the summertime when I tell y'all I'm really like in a cloud of not knowing what's happening. It really that's that's real. And for I remember when I was like disappointed when Maxwell told the world that the sequel to his um, Black Summer Nights. Black Summer Nights was coming out shortly after. That was 2009, okay? So check it out if you are a Maxwell fan or if you didn't know that he dropped the album last month like I didn't know. And last but not least, I was featured on the Right to Real Love radio podcast with Jay Mayo. And this podcast is relationship-focused with a faith perspective. And it is a great show. Jay has these amazing conversations with people about so many different aspects of relationships. And not just, not like run of the mill conversations. Like it gets very, some of these conversations get very, very deep, very, very spiritual, very faith-based, very silly, fun. Like it's a really good mix of a lot of different things. And my interview with him was about when to let a boo go or when to stick it out and try to make a relationship last. And so it was a three-part conversation that we had. I will link to the show in the show notes, but check out um, Right to Real Love Radio, subscribe if you can, and um, leave him a five-star rating and review and leave me one as well. And if you listen to the episode, let me know what you think. Send me a tweet, send me an email, Tiffany at com. I would love to hear from you. Hit me up on Facebook and um, let me know what you thought. And that will do it for Just My Thoughts for this week. If you are new to the show, um, you may not have gone all the way back to episode two to listen to the very beginning um, of how and when this show first started, but During episode two, I talked about something that was happening that was coming up in the next several weeks after I put up that episode, which was on uh, September 30th of 2015. And I had the opportunity to give a TEDx talk in October, on October 23rd of 2015, actually. And so since then, um, I have had several people ask how did you do a TED Talk? And I decided that I wanted to give, dedicate this episode to talking about the how to give a TED or a TEDx talk. And I want to explain a few things and just share with you my process and how I think that you uh, could have the opportunity to give your own TEDx talk someday. And so I just want to start by quickly just TED Basically, if you've never heard of it, TED is an organization that stands for Technology Entertainment Design. And the idea is that 
the organization creates a platform for people, for experts, to, for thought leaders, for engineers, for scientists, for everyday people to give, to have a stage and share an idea worth spreading. And it's done in on stage, it's recorded. It is made available via YouTube or via the TED website um, directly. You can even download an app and listen to the audio version of the TED Talks. You can read the transcription of the TED Talks as well. And so I just want to, without getting the history of TED organization, I just want to make the distinction between a TED Talk and a TEDx Talk. TED Talks are organized by the TED organization. They are run and speakers are invited or nominated to go to a TED conference. TEDx Talks are independently organized and the X is kind of like, you know, um, just designates after the X usually comes the organization or the community that is hosting this TEDx event. I participated in TEDx Villanova U in 2015 and it was associated with Villanova University and the immediate the people who were invited to participate and give these TEDx talks at TEDx Villanova U are people who are affiliated with the university in some way. So alumni, current professors, current students, and uh, and staff. And so uh, I was a staff member at Villanova at the time when I was invited to give the TEDx talk. And I actually left the university before the TED event happened, the TEDx event happened, but I was still able to participate. And so I just want to share my experience and what I think just three things to that I think you could do and you should think about if you are interested in giving a TEDx talk or a TED talk. So first, you have to believe that you have an idea worth spreading. And let me say this, a year, over a year before I gave my TEDx talk, I Googled something. I don't know what the phrase was, but I was able to find the document again. And it. I came up, I had a PDF because I still have the, the actual physical copy, but the title of the PDF was TEDx Speaker Guide. And I printed it out, I read it, I tucked it away and never really thought about it again. But I knew that this was a goal of mine. I set it as a goal. I kind of set it and forget it like that corny commercial says. I set it as a goal for myself and I never really thought about how that would actually manifest. So to go back to the to the idea of believing that you have an idea worth spreading. The reason why I was interested in giving a TEDx talk or giving a TED talk period was because I believe that I had an idea worth spreading. My idea, the kind of perspective that I have on life, the perspective that I bring to the work that I do both in my day job and in this podcast, in my coaching, is that your story is your strength, which is the title of my TED talk. But the fact that as individuals, we don't have to live compartmentalized lives and that when we live in compartmentalized lives, we actually keep ourselves from accessing the strengths that can be gained from the most challenging experiences that we've had in our lives. And when you 
own your story, when you own your strengths, when you own the fact that you've had these challenging experiences or you've done things that you're not proud of, you can then leverage the lessons learned from those experiences to move yourself forward in ways that you couldn't anticipate or really understand if you just kept living that kind of compartmentalized life. And so I will link to my TEDx talk. It will be in the show notes uh, for you to be able to click and watch. It's about, it runs a little less than eight minutes. But the fact that I had this perspective, this idea that kind of was was burning inside of me that I literally wanted to, I wanted to share it. And so I had this concept and this idea in the back of my mind and didn't know when I would have an opportunity to share it. Definitely never, didn't really imagine that I was going to have the opportunity to share it on a stage like this. But in thinking about the having an idea worth spreading, it's great to want to do a TED talk or a TEDx talk, but to do one for the sake of wanting to do one is not going to cut it. You have to have something that you're really, really committed and really interested in sharing and something that you think is going to resonate with other people in some way or something that you think the world will be benefited by, by hearing. And it doesn't have to be the cure for cancer or how to solve the world's problem, you know, related to hunger, but it can be something, just something that you're passionate about because that concern, that knowledge that you have, that connection to the story that you want to tell or the topic that you want to share, people will receive that when it's delivered in a way that really uh, resonates and connects with people. So just thinking about TED Talks generally and TEDx Talks generally, TEDx Talks, like I said, are independently organized. And so you will have to be connected to an organization and I'll get back, I'll get to that in the next, in the next step. But you, in thinking about the talk that you want to give, you have to think about how are you going to present this idea? How are you going to share this idea? What are some of the things that matter to you? What are some of the things that you think have not, not even haven't been talked about before? Because that's not, that's not a criteria. It just has to be something that you really want to share with other people. And just to give you an example of the types of talks that were, that were given at my, at the TEDx Villanova U event that I participated in, there, my fellow speakers talked about caring for parents who were suffering from dementia, biodigestion, and this is this like amazing process that and how biodigestion can help feed people who are living in refugee camps. There was a woman who, a theater professor, who talked about sharing the stories of Black women who were enslaved through theater and through you know, through acting in plays. Another person talked about, a white male talked about confronting white male privilege. Someone else talked about the idea of supporting people who were homeless through student-run programs. Um, and so that's just, and that's just a few of the events, a few of the, the topics that were covered. So I share that spread for you to be able to see that the idea that you have inside your head might not be as like, crazy as you think. It might not be something that you, that it might be actually be something that people want to hear about. You just have to put it out there. You just have to talk to people about it. And when people see the fire that you have for the, the thing that you want to share, that will get them fired up about the idea and they'll be interested in hearing more about it. And so don't dismiss the idea that you have or the thing that recurs in your mind 
about whatever it is that you are passionate about, because it might be something that could get you on a TED on a TED stage one day or a TEDx stage one day. So, um, and along that same lines, you don't have to be Brene Brown or Simon Sinek to have a TEDx talk. And just so you know, Brene Brown and Simon Sinek are on the top 10 most viewed TEDx talks. And they were at TEDx events. They weren't at TED conferences. So those talks, Brene Brown has more than one TEDx talk. Um, Simon Sinek also has more than one TEDx talk. And so you don't have to be Oprah or, you know, Beyonce or, you know, Usain Bolt or any, like, you don't have to be someone who with this big celebrity name in order to access this platform and in order to share something that can literally change someone's life. I remember watching Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's, um, Dr. Brene Brown, I should say, her talk on, on vulnerability and when I thought about, when I saw her talk, I was like, yo, I want to do that. Like, how do I do that? And so I started to think about from that point, when I watched it years ago, what I could do and what I thought about and what I felt and what I was connected to and what I wanted to share. And was there a way for me to have an opportunity to do that? And so, um, you know, I, I can, I have not heard Brene say this, but if you asked her when she first did her first TEDx talk, that she would have gained the momentum and the respect and the regard and the popularity that she has gained, she probably would say no. Um, because I don't think that anyone can predict the kind of rise and exposure that she's gotten because it's something that she talked about that resonated literally with millions and millions of people. So don't discount the idea that has been, um, you know, resting with you and that you wrestle with and that you come back to and that you revisit. Don't discount that because it could be that next big thing. And even if it's not, like my TEDx talk does not have a million views by any stretch. I'm not going to say how many views it has, but um, it is something that has resonated. I have gotten messages and emails from people who have told me that that talk changed them or it impacted them, it motivated them and it inspired them. And that is the impact. If you do that for one person, your idea was worth spreading, period. And so um, I just want to encourage you that don't discount whatever idea you have, whatever thought you have, um, because you're not a celebrity or don't have this, you know, this million, you know, million person deep platform currently existing, um, because your idea might very well be worth spreading. The second thing that you need to do or that you can do to secure a TED or TEDx talk is to seek the opportunity or at the very least be ready for it when it rolls up on you. So let me give you a little bit of background about how I ended up getting my TEDx opportunity. I worked at Villanova, like I said, and happened to work with the licensee for the university for of the TEDx name. And so basically, just to give a little bit of background, in order for a TEDx event to happen, there has to be someone who 
is given the rights to the TEDx name for that organization. So basically, TED allows organizations to borrow the TEDx name and then host an event that meets certain guidelines. And just so you know, there have been 16,000, over 16,000 TEDx events, these independently organized by universities, by companies, by towns, by high schools, by community colleges, by nonprofit organizations, for-profit organizations, you know, like the number of connections and ways that you can actually get access to these TEDx talks, it's actually not as impossible as people think. There will be a web uh, a link in the show notes to the TEDx um, to the kind of listing and the directory of TEDx events. But there are over fifteen hundred TEDx events coming up in the next several months worldwide. So it's not like it's this one time, once a year thing that only happens that there are only a hundred tickets to go to. These events, the smaller events, they're limited to a hundred people as per TED's rules. They are restricted in some ways, but they're not nearly as restricted as people might think. So that being said, you can start by looking on this website to see if any organization that you're affiliated with can, has had, or will have a TEDx talk. I went on there just yesterday and found out that there are several happening in the state of Pennsylvania, which is where I live, in the next several months. And there's one happening in a town, one town over from where I am in October. And so I will plan, I'm going to actually try to see if I can get a ticket to attend the event, not to be a speaker, but to attend. And so that, like, I literally did that in five minutes. I found that out. So if you are, if you've ever worked anywhere, if you have ever been volunteered somewhere, if you have ever um, attended school somewhere, Check to see if your organization, a connection that you, like if an organization that you've worked with or been connected to at some point has done a TEDx event or has one coming up in the future because these events, the license costs money. So maybe they won't happen every year. Maybe they won't happen with the same frequency as they have in the past, but you never know. And what the TED, what the TEDx website that is linked in the show notes, what it does is it tells you the name of the organizer. It might not direct uh, link directly to their, to an email to them. But even if you don't know this person, if you have their name, if you know they're affiliated with the TEDx event, you can then do further research and find out their contact information. I'm not telling y'all to go stalk people and, you know, but be professional, be appropriate. And we can talk about reaching out to people directly. If you are interested in how to approach people and I can help you do that, you can send an email to Tiffany at how does she do a podcast.com. But it's not as remote of a possibility as people might think. It's not guaranteed. It's not a slam dunk. Everyone is not going to have an opportunity to do this. But there have been 16,000, over 16,000 TEDx events held worldwide. And there are 1,500, over 1,500 coming up in the next like several months. So when you think about that, the odds are not as impossible as they once were. And the difference between people who get the opportunity to speak on a TED or a TEDx stage and the people who don't are the people who sought the opportunity, who were prepared for it when it came, and who maximized it. So you can, if this is something that you want to do, it's possible. You just have to be deliberate and be intentional about seeking out that opportunity. Now, once you identify the organization or company or town or, you know, anything like that, that as a TEDx event coming up, note that the 
requirements and the selection criteria are going to be different per event. So for example, I had to apply to a committee in order to be approved to then audition and then I had to wait to hear back to figure out if I was selected. The uh, initial application was a short summary of what I planned to talk about. The audition was a shortened version of what my talk would be. And then um, I was ultimately selected with several other people to participate on in the platform. You, as a, At a TEDx event, your talk can be up to 18 minutes. Um, mine, I kept it on the shorter side. Well, like I said, it was about, it ran at 742. And I know that number because obviously I watched a YouTube video many times. And, um, and so it ran to a little bit under eight minutes. So, you know, keep that in mind. Just know that there's going to be a selection. There might be a selection process. There might be, um, you know, some kind of uh, application criteria that you have to meet before you can actually be granted the opportunity to give a TEDx talk. So um, just keep that in mind. The third thing that you need to do in order to have a TED or TEDx talk is to prepare. And I know that sounds simple, but I'm going to unpack it. So let's say you've identified this idea that you have worth spreading. You've identified the organization that you are connected to that is going to have this TEDx talk or has had it before and you're interested in trying to figure out what other way you can be connected to a future upcoming TED event. And let's say you get invited to give this TEDx talk. I remember the day that I found out that I was going to give the TEDx talk and I was like, oh my God, I think I'm going to die. And like it was, it was, it still is as I think about it, it's one of the most humbling and one of the most important things that I think that I've ever done uh, in my life and, me- and probably one of the most important things that I think I will ever do, because for, for me, when I told my story about my family background, about being a survivor of sexual abuse, about how that impacted the relationships that I had, how it impacted the way that I viewed myself, how it impacted the way that I viewed the entire world. That story, I told that story not for the sake of telling my story, but because I know that the story is not unique. The fact that we live these compartmentalized lives is not unique to me. And so the amount of care that I put into putting this speech together so that I would be able to hopefully reach a reach somebody. I took it. Uh, it was a very grave responsibility for me. I took it extremely, extremely seriously. And some of the things that I'm about to share are things that can apply to giving speeches generally and preparing to give presentations generally. But um, speaking specifically about being on this stage because of the kind of brand recognition that TEDx comes, that it comes, and to be able to say that you've had the opportunity to do this, it comes with a, it's like you're, you're brought into a, into a, a unique place and, and, and there's, it's an honor, it's humbling. And so it, there's a responsibility that comes with that. So you have to prepare like nobody's business. Like I said, when it was all said and done, it was going to be on YouTube. It would be connected to my name. It would be connected to my company and it would be out there for until YouTube doesn't exist anymore, which probably will never happen. So I, wanted to make sure that I was intentional about the words that I chose, about the way that I delivered those words, about 
the kind of, you know, if I was going to interject a joke, how would I do that? The tone that I was going to strike. And like I said, word selection, what would resonate? What wouldn't resonate? What sounded conversational? What didn't? And so from the very beginning, you have to start, if you need to do research, you need to do research. If you're talking about something that is not coming from your own, um, you know, mind that doesn't, the ideas originate outside of you, you need to be able to, to support and, and cite those things. You have to write out what you want to say. When I my first draft of my TEDx talk was handwritten in a notebook. Like I sat down and I was like, okay, and I just wrote. And the what was written in that notebook and what ended up being presented on um, on the TEDx stage were not the same, but the bones were there. The raw emotion was there. The thought was there. The structure was there. And I refined it and refined it and refined it. And I refined it with the help of many people who listened to it when it was at its worst to all the way till the day that I got it right and the day that I had every word that I would end up saying on that stage when it was recorded. I was blessed in my in my uh, group for TEDx Villanova U. We had a theater professor on in our group, and so she would and we had and there were a, you know a bunch of other people, the committee members. We would stand up periodically between February when the auditions happened and October when the talks happened. We would get up and we would give our speeches you know, sometimes twice a month. And we would each go around and take constructive feedback from our, our fellow speakers, the fellow committee members, the professor, the theater professor. And then we would also um, give each other feedback. And so we would take it, we would receive it, and then we would improve. And so, and to be able to see people improve and get more confident and get more refined and more clear on their ideas and to be receptive to that was one was a really one of the most encouraging and supportive experiences that I've ever had and I can't say that every TEDx event is every preparation for every TEDx event happens this way but my guess is that there will be someone who is dedicated to making sure that this event goes off very very well that people's bests are presented in front of the committee and in front of the audience and eventually on YouTube and for the world to see so um so when you think about it like that when you think about preparing for anything that you do that your name is behind that your brand is behind that your company is behind that your position is behind organizations that you're affiliated with you are you are your brand and so you have to prepare in a way that if someone is watching this and if they've never heard of you before, what are they going to be walked away? What are they going to walk away from, from that experience with? What are they going to think about you when that experience is over? What are they going to gain? What are they going to feel? What are they going to experience? What journey are you going to take them on? And this is for any presentation, even if it's something that you're given, a PowerPoint that you're given at the next staff meeting at your job. You are standing in front of a room and you're delivering something to other people. You want those people to be different by the time they left that room, even if it's just delivering numbers for the sales for the last quarter. You want those people to remember something about that experience that you delivered to them. And so when you are thinking about 
preparing for your future TEDx talk, when you're thinking about preparing for your future presentation at work, when you're thinking about preparing for your next, um, you know, group meeting where you're leading an event, you want to make sure that you take it seriously and you think about the, the impact that you're going to leave that room with. So I know that was uh, a lot, but I'm just going to just briefly recap the three things that I think that you can do to secure, prepare for, and eventually give a TED or TEDx talk. And I just want to make one note um, that even if you can't give a TED talk, at the next event that you find after you do this search on the, the link that's in the show notes, you can just go, attend the event, ask questions, see what it's like, meet the organizers, meet the other speakers, and you know begin to get connected and immersed in whatever this community is so that in the event that another opportunity comes up, you can be one of the people, you make connections with people who can possibly help you get connected to have, uh, the, to participate in the experience as a speaker. So the three things that I think you can do to uh, secure, prepare for, and give a TEDx talk based on the my experience is you have to first believe that you have an idea worth spreading. When you believe that you have an idea worth spreading, whether you are a celebrity or you are a, um, you know, you are who you are, where you are right now, the fact that you care about something, the fact that something is sitting and stirred in your spirit, the fact that you are interested and committed to whatever this topic or idea is, that is an that that's all it takes to have that idea worth spreading, to do a TEDx talk for the notoriety or to do it so that it goes viral or to hope that you can do it just for the sake of saying that you did a TEDx talk, that's not the that's the wrong approach because you are you're you're not coming at it from the right perspective. The your the spirit and the approach of it is not correct. Remember the 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 uh the tagline is ideas worth spreading, not viral video so I can blow up, right? The second thing that you can do to secure, prepare for, and eventually give a successful TEDx talk is to seek the opportunity or at least be ready for it when it rolls up on you. So you may not, and I think hopefully you'll be able to find something that you can be connected to in some way to either attend the TEDx talk yourself or to find an organizer that is connected or affiliated with an organization that you're either interested in or have already have access to. But you you have to seek it out. You have to look for it. You have to declare it as an objective of yours. And then you have to be ready once the opportunity comes. What I didn't say earlier is that I actually deliberately missed the application deadline for the um, for the TEDx talk at Villanova. And I missed it because I was like, man, I'm not going to get selected. So I'm just going to, um, you know, let somebody else get it. And if it wasn't for the organizer who knew me reaching out to me and saying, um, what are you doing? I'm still, I might, I would not have had, I would not have had the opportunity if I didn't know her, if I didn't, um, if she didn't see enough in me to, to want to follow up with me, then I would have missed the opportunity. So don't be that guy. Don't be what I almost was. 
And the third thing that you need to do to secure and prepare for and give a successful TEDx talk is to prepare like nobody's business. Take it very seriously. Have fun because I had a I had a great deal of fun when I was preparing for um, my TEDx talk. But when I tell you, I was like. I printed out, I can't even tell you the number of times I printed and reprinted the talk as I revised it and made little edits as I said it out loud. I was like, nah, this doesn't sound natural. This doesn't sound conversational. And I wrote that TEDx talk on flashcards and like to memorize it because you go up there, there's no podium, there's no reading off a teleprompter. It's memorization. So you have to go up there and you have to be able to stand and deliver. And whatever you need to do to do that, you can do like I did. I recorded myself. I looked at myself in the mirror. I started over again. I scrapped it. I did it for my friends. I read it to other people. I read it in front of the committee. And I did a lot of, a lot of different things that got me prepared for that moment. And in the same way, it's like you have to practice the way you want to play. And if you want to play and get on that stage and be like a G and go up there and give an excellent talk, you have to practice that way. You have to practice like you're on stage. You have to feel, try and feel what it's going to be like the day that you get up there and that light hits you and you know the camera is rolling. And I picked out my outfit. I had my friend help me with my makeup. I got my hair freshly done, picked out the dopest blazer. Like I was I was ready because I knew, like I said, this thing is going up on YouTube and it's going to be up there for forever until YouTube doesn't exist anymore. So with that, believe that you have an idea worth spreading, seek the opportunity or at least be ready for it when it rolls up on you and make sure that you prepare. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Leave me a five-star rating and review in the iTunes store. Send me an email, Tiffany at HowDoesShedoItPodcast.com. Hit me up on Twitter at TiffSouth. Follow me on Instagram at TiffSouth and Snapchat. Um, And I look forward to hearing from you. I hope that this was helpful. If you have any additional questions, I'd love to hear from you. And um, until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace.